Well, it's uh, it's been quite a week. We're glad to be here. Um, and thinking about victory, thinking about new beginnings. Um, we do have a second wave of uh, of this uh, sickness that's been hanging over the world coming. Um, there's a lot lot of transitional things going on. Um, I have been drinking my Grady's cold uh, throughout this just to kind of cool down from the stress of the election and um, just because it makes me, f- if I ever have that psychosomatic thing where I think my temperature is going up, a little cool cold brew can sort of make me feel a little better and, and, and like that I'm, I'm not spreading. Uh, but it is time to maybe consider a change for me because I've been looking at all the options that Grady's has been uh, sending us about ways to brew uh, hot. Brew Grady's nice and hot. And let me tell you, there are a lot of products that can take care of that for you. A lot of different ways you can do that depending on how deep you want to get into the brew shed here. You can do a liquid concentrate brew really easy on the stovetop and the microwave. You can, you know, do the typical, those, those beautiful Grady's bean bags that we like to do in our, in our home brewed kits. Um, let it steep real nice. Make it how you like it. I, I oversteeped maybe this, this cold Grady's I got going because I'm bouncing off the walls, let me tell you. So be careful with that. Um, and then you've got all your normal, all your normal Grady's, uh, options as well on the menu if you go to gradyscoldbrew.com and you enter the code late era 20 you can explore all the options for how you might transition as a grady's stan into the winter months and uh, also stay safe out there while you're drinking that grady's yeah, pull your mask down only for a minute to sip all right folks Alright everybody, welcome to Late Era. We're coming towards the end of our season. Uh, This is the podcast brought to you by Osiris Media, where we talk about the weird and wonderful late career albums by classic artists. Uh, Today we're talking about an artist that some of you may take umbrage with the designation as classic, but perhaps we're here to dissuade you of that feeling. This is Jimmy Buffett with his 20th studio album, Banana Wind, released in the year 1996. Uh, Usually up front, I try to give you a little distillation of why the record is sort of worth your attention. And uh, right now, I'm kind of at a loss for words. So I'm just going to leave that as a cliffhanger for the rest of the app, perhaps. Uh, We can get into that in a few few seconds. We can get into it, yeah. Um, I am Andy Cush. I am a contributing editor at Pitchfork, bass player in the band Garcia Peoples. I'm Winston Cook-Wilson. I play music in the band Office Culture and as Winston C.W. I'm Sam Sadomsky, staff writer at Pitchfork, music maker, music lover. And today we have a great guest. So excited to have him. Incredible songwriter, uh, funny guy on Twitter, Husky Pants Records CEO. We got Riley Walker here. Hi, glad to be here. Got the corporate executive in the house. Welcome back. Uh, Riley joined us for uh, 
Chicago for Welcome to Chicago, a, a classic Chicago Eight, I believe. Yeah, really uh, uh, making my mark here with Chicago Eight and Banana Wind, just two essential <laughs> listens. Yeah, there's a lot to get into here. I, it's hard to even even know where to begin. But before we like get into it, what's been up? What, what have you been up to, Riley? Um, I've been laying low during the quarantine, getting my chops up. Um, made some new music that'll probably come out next year. Other than that, putting out cool small releases on my little label called Husky Pants Records, as mentioned before. Um, I have a lot of fun doing that. It's real uh, keeps me busy, keeps me off the streets. Indeed. What's up with everyone? How's everyone else doing? I'm 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 you know I'm fried from the the celebrations. I'm fried. From yeah, we vibe. should we should let our listeners know that we're recording this very shortly after Joe Biden was announced as president. Well, first of all, if you, yeah, if you don't know, Joe money. Biden won the uh, the presidential <laughs> yeah, election on Saturday. It was officially declared by most of the major news outlets, although many people thought that he had won just you know based on early results um, a few days prior to that. So, um, first of all, I want to say I'm sorry, Sam, that your candidate didn't win this time didn't triumph <laughs> i know you look we'll get him next time you know yeah i think that he was a great leader in many ways but also flawed there were some flaws with his approach i think if we got slightly more guy doesn't fly off the handle so quickly in there promoting american values i think we'll we'll do better next time around promoting american bodies but yes no values oh, okay just making sure the occasional american body Anyway, that's in bad taste. Let's let's work. We're here to talk about another American legend that I would uh, I would personally vote for for president. A beach legend. A beach legend. An entrepreneur. A guy with a license to chill. Uh, that I think uh, that that license gives him uh, the right to hold any office in the land. Yeah, I would say. let's just say he belongs on international waters. He's a he's a man of uh, dipping your toes in the sand and in the salty water. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> um, so getting back to the initial question, this was Riley. You wanted to do this Buffett album in particular. Uh, want? Yeah, I guess want. <laughs> want need more? Yeah, like I it. needed to do this. <laughs> So Banana Wind, it's a psycho record. I have a real saw. Obviously, like it, it, it dips into like nostalgia for me. My dad had this CD when I was a kid, and I, I loved it. Um, I had never even heard any other Jimmy Buffett prior to hearing this. This is like my intro to Jimmy Buffett. I didn't hear Cheeseburger in Paradise or Margaritaville, um, but I loved this record when I was a kid, and um, through my twisted psycho lens over like the last. 20 some odd years i've really grown to love it more and more um especially when i view it through the lens of where i'm like oh this is like a van dyke parks record i kind of think oh, that all yeah. the time yeah i know that jimmy buffett there's no way he has ever even heard of van dyke parks um, i'm not trying to well. undermine his genius or anything but especially like the <laughs> instrumental tracks and like the steel drums are just less beach vibes and more uh I'm going to say Artie with a capital A on this record. (laughs) For sure. Uh, There's like a lot of truth to be told about his life on this record. It's not just uh, his party record, even though there is some party vibes on there. Yeah, he gets dark and personal, which is a side of Jimmy Buffett we don't see often. 
uh, albeit through the lens of like um, a really expensive top shelf rum and million dollar recording studio. <laughs> Riley, something I wanted to ask you, um, which I'm sure we'll get into, is I associate there's like one side of your taste in music where I feel like you're really into like chill out music, kind of like I know you're a Jack Johnson fan. Big time, yeah. Is, yeah, does this like play into that? Like, what do you hear in these songwriters that that pulls you into their music? Um, well, what pulls me into their music is just—it's uh, absolutely non-threatening, and I like non-threatening music, and I like uh, where you can just turn music on and you know just kind of fall right into it, and there's no challenging things about it. Um, and what's so chill about Jack Johnson? I say the word chill because there's no other word to describe him. <laughs> is that it's just really carefree and he's really means it. He's really honest. Um, I don't think there's any sort of ego involved with it. And same with Jimmy Buffett. I mean, I'm sure you can dig into parts of his life where he's a megalomaniac, but it just seems like egoless and fun, and I really enjoy that. And Jack Johnson can really ride an earworm. Banana Pancakes and the Curious mm. George. The Curious George soundtrack? Come on. Yeah, the Curious <laughs> George soundtrack. I know, that's, like, that's one of your fave records. I, like, yeah. love that record. Like, so unironically, um... I think there's like a, because I love all sorts of music, obviously, and I listen to all sorts of music, but there comes a time where I just, I'm not ashamed to press the button of uh, no art allowed in my head right now. <laughs> so I find a lot of joy in, in Jack Johnson, who is, you know, the holy ghost to Jimmy Buffett, who is Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Another person in that, like, um... Uh, universe. I would also say is Kenny Chesney, who I'm a big fan Genius. of. Genius. And I feel like he like took a huge. He took like one aspect of Jimmy Buffett's persona and sort of just inhabited it, like the kind of like sad beach dweller, wistful about his past. And yeah, I, I love that. Is he one of the country artists he collaborated with later, like in the yeah. 2000s? Yeah, they made records together and stuff. They're definitely tight. They hang out. Yeah, yeah. It was meant to be, meant to be with those two. Yeah, that's like, that's the crew I want to be friends with, I think. Yeah, I mean, I've seen enough like free improv people where it's like, I don't need to be their friend. I just want to like find a new crew of Kenny Chesney and Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> I don't know. And it's like the music isn't secondary. Obviously, music comes first, all these people, but just like living a nice, happy life where it's just carefree and it's kind of um, just a daydream throughout all the music, you know? Uh, I really love yeah. that. Um an unironic daydream where it's not like serious through the filter of any sort of real pain or loss. It's just kind of this fantasy land that they live in and they can also write a hook. And I, I really appreciate those artists. Sam, you've been on a bit of a Buffett vision quest lately too. It seems like before even we decided to do this episode before we even decided to do this podcast. Yeah. I think like I was really primed to get into Buffett this year because we joke about shingles on our podcast, but when I first got shingles was when I got deep into Kenny Chesney. Wow. Like, I got really into that escapist vibe, and it really helped me feel at peace. And, like, That's I don't beautiful. know. And, I mean, Jimmy Buffett's music is kind of, like, the primary source for that type of pop songwriting in some ways. Like, I got really into it this year, and we'll get into all the political stuff with it, but I really do think, like... Yeah, he writes a lot of songs about vacationing and drinking and living on the beach. But I think, like, exhaustion is kind of, like, the bottom line of all his songs. Like, that's where it starts. Like, 
because I'm burnt out, because like this capitalist system is getting me down. Wow. This is my fantasy. Is that what right he's now. singing about? Oh, well, yeah, in a lot of songs. The yeah. Like, megalo modern problematic ills. Yeah, right? I mean, like in a year when a lot of people are talking about labor and, you know, like what why do we work you know songs like i wish lunch could last forever which is just about like a long <laughs> lunch break yeah uh, fair it, it really so resonated true. With so me. true <laughs> i feel like you know? there is some tension we have to explore though between that and and buffett's real world um extraordinarily deft capitalism that ha- has propelled <laughs> yeah, him to right. being maybe <laughs> this, the richest one this of the world richest musicians or, on this earth. world this world we want to ascend to of chill that we're talking about kind of depends on like yeah having a liquor sponsorship I guess like that's how well you like get any guru you you respect him because he did it like he attained his enlightenment which for him is like relaxing and drinking his entire life away and also like not needing a day job to support it and you friends know, and like family come Joss. first in life friends and family are big oh. to him you know he like just loves oh. his friends and family so much. Yeah. I think he's kind of yeah. a back-to-the-earth, salt-of-the-earth kind of guy. Yeah. Winston, you, you compared him to Steve Jobs, and I actually would read the, like, Walter Isaacson biography of uh, Jimmy Buffett. That would be I, super tight. Well, the way Sam was talking about him being a guru, I just imagine, like, Sam is a startup founder, but instead of Steve Jobs as his idol, like, all startup founders as Jimmy Buffett, that, that could be, like, a whole other side of Silicon Valley vibe that would uh, well, maybe say. I mean, the you country. joke. But like, look at the audience at his show. It's like a complete. Everyone's like drinking the Kool Aid on board, and I'm one of them. So it's like a, it's like the, <laughs> no that. Judgment. Jimmy Buffett has also made hundreds of millions of dollars off several different business ventures. That's like, what I'm talking about. Yeah, he's, he's like no, a he's brilliant a person, businessman. Complete capitalist for sure. I do <laughs> re- appreciate his hustle, though. I mean, he's got this whole thing, but then like you know, merchandising. I'm sure the the hoodies that is. Concerts in Alpine Valley or Jones Beach are, you know, $75. Is he t- is Tommy Bahama, like, owned by him, or is that just sort of the cinematic <laughs> universe of Jimmy Buffett? I mean, he's definitely got stake in it, and he's, he's like, got an unofficial stake, right? spokesman. Yeah. <laughs> you don't go to the beach without seeing a Tommy Bahama chair. Should we get into the bio for listeners who aren't so sure of this stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, normally we do our impressions, but... Um, oh, Right. Do you have an impression you'd like to do? Well, I do. Uh, so, Riley, on the show, we normally do a, a segment that is a big listener favorite, um, Impressions, where we just do an impression. And, uh, you do an impression. I, I do an yeah. impression. Uh, although, you guys are always welcome to jump in. But I, but <laughs> Sam was saying that, and I know also from from uh, seeing you play and from the internet that you're also a very good impressionist. So I was wondering if you might want to do a guest impression today. Of Jimmy Buffett, really putting him on the spot. It could be it could be anyone. You don't we get we'll guess who it is. Anybody. Yeah. <laughs> or usually I do something tied to the general world of the album, but it, I've I've done some surprises that don't have anything to do with it. But if you're if you're feeling on the spot, I can try something. No, I don't feel on the spot. I, I feel really welcomed and appreciated. Uh, so uh, I've got a new actor. Uh, this is the one I've been working on. And uh, he's often in films as a character actor. And he kind of does that a lot. <laughs> That's my Michael Shannon. I've been working on that. I did I, that on very long drive. I love that impression. 
That's uh, the the you yeah. you really I'm nailed the jaw. I'm not going to a Jimmy Martin. Buffett concert without a <laughs> glass of rum. I need a glass of rum if I'm going to be in the front row with fucking flip flops. <laughs> so that's my wow. Michael Shannon at a as a parrot head. That's beautiful. Damn. That's uncanny. That's um, that's exactly what we're looking for. Yeah, thank you. I was gonna do Jared Kushner as a parrot head. I'm not kidding. This is much better. I'm I'm right, let, no. Let's hear it, Winston. No, it's it's okay. It was a whole thing. Ivanka and him are in Saint Bart, and they That's met. It's a good the, bit. They met the Buffets and etc. Yeah. etc. You can you can play Sounds it on cool. your head. This is yeah, sort of that'll compa- be for the. This is a companion piece to your deadhead Bernie Sanders impression. Yes, uh, parrot head Jared Kushner, <laughs> Cornell. <laughs> 1977 let's get into this mm. enough of the, we can't we could do this we could do this for hours i fucking blacked out in the back of a truck again i slept in the bed of a truck do you think it's normal and sane for a 47 year old man to sleep in the bed of a truck i pissed myself and it dribbled down into my flip-flops and my tommy bahama shirt is stained with the piss and shit Okay. We should just do this. That should be the whole thing. All right. Episode. Yeah. Fuck the album. I'm delayed. <laughs> you could, well, you could answer all. We, I just love just Michael the, Shannon. He's one of the great actors of today. It truly is. If you feel like answering any questions or anything we're talking about on here as Michael Shannon, that would be great. Absolutely. And if Michael Shannon wants to call in, he's more than welcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love you, Mike. He lives He lives in Brooklyn. He does. Anyway. Originally from Chicago. I've, I've seen him out a couple times, actually. At like the empty bottle in Chicago, I bum- uh, I bummed an entire pack of cigarettes off of him in the green room. I kept being like, I was punishing him so bad. I actually have two really good Michael Shannon stories. I'll make them quick. One, he was in the basement of the empty bottle, like in the green room, and like you can smoke down there. And I didn't have any cigarettes, so I kept being like, "Hey, man, shotgun stories is great." And then I'd be like, "Can I have a cigarette?" And he turned to his friend, and then I'd smoke the cigarette, and I'd be like. Hey, man, I really liked you in Boardwalk Empire. Can I have another cigarette? I told him everything he was in. <laughs> and then the other time, he, he actually came to a show I played at Transpicos. I don't think he knew who I was. He was just like with a friend. And I was like, hey, what? man, I bummed an entire pack of cigarettes off of you at the Empty Bottle in Chicago. And he goes, I remember you. Can I have a cigarette now? And I gave him a cigarette. And now... Wow. So you guys are actually like friends. You're buds. No, definitely not. Um, <laughs> but I am one degree separated from Leo, which is tight. Fuck. That's the goal. Right. Yeah. Damn. Well, we got. Let's let's fucking launch into this Buffett history here. Let's, let's do get it. Into it. All right. I'm gonna try to do it quick and just do the most important information. All right. Jimmy Buffett, born Christmas Day, 1946, in Mississippi. Whoa. Spends his childhood in Alabama. What? Just Christmas Day. That's amazing. Oh yeah, born on Christmas Day, a gift mm. to the world. Um, he starts playing guitar his first year in college. He's a frat guy studies um, journalism and business, majors in history. When he graduates, like, uh, like us, he gets a job writing about music for oh, Billboard. Wow. Bill, yeah, He's for the, Billboard the Ira magazine. Kaplan of his time. Exactly. Mm. Um, his big story that he breaks the news of is Flats and Scruggs breaking up. Um, around that same time, he starts playing music, uh, Originally, he's sort of like a country-type singer. He starts playing in Nashville. His songwriting has a kind of political bent, sort of inspired by, like, the Greenwich Village scene. Kind of falls mm-hmm. in line with that, but can't really sell it. You know, it sounds sort of, like, trendy. Um, 
he also busks a lot and enjoys that. Um, and everything changes when the late, great Jerry Jeff Walker invites him to busk with him in Key West, Florida, wow. which Jimmy Buffett falls in love with, falls in love with the people, the vibe, the community, the venues. Um, and it starts inspiring him to switch up his style and sort of appeal to that crowd. And he kind of like gets into this character. Um, when Jim Croce dies, who he'd become friends with from playing, uh, Jim Croce's label signs Buffett to occupy the space that uh, Croce had. And he takes that opportunity and really runs with it with um, a run of albums in the 70s that for me were like my total entryway into Buffett's music, albums I really like, like um, Living and Dying in Three-Fourths Time, uh, A1A, and Changes in Latitudes, Changes in Attitudes, which is 1977, and has Margaritaville on it, which to date remains his only ever top 10 song. Fucked up. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so... The 80s are less fruitful. He can't really keep up the momentum. His albums st- sort of start declining, and you can tell he doesn't really care that much about them. But his shows are still huge. He notices he has a really devoted audience. So that's when he gets really into being kind of an entrepreneur. And he opens cafes, gets deep into merchandising. He writes several books, basically just becomes a brand, and his music sounds like it. There's really no life to it. That is until the 90s, when he sort of has a creative reawakening. He has his first ever top 10 album with an album called Fruitcakes, which is generally seen as his comeback. Um, He does what Paul Simon did and makes a terrible musical based on some (laughs) book he read. And his music starts coming out. It doesn't get to Broadway, though. No, it doesn't. (laughs) And at this point, his music starts happening faster, um, charting higher. His boomer fans are now parents and they're, you know, listening to it a lot and have a different relationship with it. He's rich as hell and he's still entrepreneuring. And yeah, this brings us to Banana Wind. Mm-hmm. One question I have is like the parrot head phenomenon and this sort of whole kind of traveling circus of the Jimmy Buffett show. Like, was he taking inspiration from the Grateful Dead? Was there any kind of yeah. crossover there? He covers Huge the Grateful Dead, Dead, Dead a lot on a few different yeah. records. Oh wow, okay. Uncle John's band, yeah. yeah. He loves the Dead. Also, before before Jerry died, they were planning a Deadhead Parrothead tour. That in, is like, absolutely 90s. incredible. I did not know that. The Parrothead yeah. term came, it is directly related to that. It came up came around in like uh, I read the 80s the mid 80s that's when the parrot head thing started and it's it's insane there are 239 parrot head club chapters in the united states canada and australia it's just a lot of parrot heads it's just they have they have a yearly event they have all they do all this charity work it's insane have any of you guys been to a jimmy buffett concert yeah hell yeah me too and it was wonderful yeah, it was oh, fun. No, he I've... plays like two new songs and then like 20 classics. It's great. He's yeah. d- he doesn't like try to give you anything you don't want to hear. Maybe a couple. But he has like the big four or five, I think it's called, every concert. where He, he literally plays, you know, Margaritaville, Cheeseburger in Paradise, et cetera, et cetera. It's like you're guaranteed to hear these hits when you buy a ticket, yeah. which is really nice. It's like I will play these songs for you absolutely. I will not deviate from anything you want. It's a crowd he doesn't, pleaser. 
He doesn't play False Echoes Havana 1921. <laughs> I was wondering. That song is so James Taylor on BGVs insane. That song is psycho. I looked at like I looked at his setlist stats, and there are a few from this album that he plays pretty regularly. Schoolboy Heart is one of them. Mm-hmm. Jamaica Mistaka is another that regularly appears. Huge song in his catalog. Uh, yeah, let's fucking launch into it. We gotta we gotta explain the world. This this. I was it's like all the big themes are covered on this album there's so many like very and then there are these very specific narrative interjections it ties in with his novel the world of his novels ties in mm-hmm. with his the one of yeah this Jamaica Mistake maybe we could we could talk about well what do you want to start, start with there. let's start with Jamaica St- this is a iconic Buffett track because it's about a crazy event that happened in his life <laughs> this one musically this is like the van dyke parks thing you were talking about like yeah. the baroqueness of these like melodies and stuff and like the whole harmonic language is like so much not what i was expecting from Buffett. not at all and it's done by robert greenridge who's like an amazing steel drummer like a legend he played with uh he played on double fantasy of yoko ono and john lennon uh-huh. He plays on a bunch of weird shit, actually. Like he plays with, like Taj Mahal and all this crazy stuff. He's actually a really far Fair. out guy, and uh, so for him to be on such a weird rock record like this is insane. He comes from like the art with a capital A. Wait, play a little, play a little bit of the vocal stuff in here, and then maybe we can talk about what this this incident. I got a big suspicion about ammunition. <laughs> I never forget to duck. Come back. Yeah, here we go. Come back. Back to Jamaica. Don't you know? We made a big mistake. There it is. We'd be so sad if you told us goodbye. And we promise not to shoot you out of the sky. Out of the sky. Alright, so what's this what's this about, Sam? Uh, yeah, the short version is one time Jimmy Buffett was flying um, his plane to Jamaica and when they got there, um, they were stopped by a SWAT team who shot at the plane thinking it was like an illegal drug operation, but it turns out it was just Jimmy Buffett and Bono. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And like, I guess the plane is hanging in one of his... Uh, cafes or something now like people can see it with like the bullet holes but yeah he wrote a what, song about it what i like about the song is that it doesn't really seem to deri- try to derive any sort of greater like universal meaning out of the story it's just like well you know i was flying my plane over jamaica and they shot at me and that's what the song is about yeah it's so matter uh, of yeah. fact he's just yeah. like i almost got got and uh, now let's yeah. party. <laughs> i i absolutely love the like the perspective of the chorus which seems to be like jamaica itself or the population of jamaica being like come back and we won't shoot you this time like (laughs) you'll have fun we promise just like that's the kind of like little details that you know there's more to buffett than meets the eye here there's just like you know a novelist's eye there's there's a lot of like self-proclaimed novelist's eye yeah as he proclaims in the song schoolboy heart but yeah it's just like um I don't know. There's so much sophistication to this song, like music, like the 
not only musically but uh also just like the contrast of buffett being kind of like liking like the stupidest rhymes in a way but also like being kind of subtle like one of my favorite lyrics is like then we landed in the water just about my favorite thrill when some asshole started firing as we taxied to Negril. like that's quite a that's quite that's lyric writing right there but yeah it, you know it's got yeah. but it's also like some asshole he likes to say you know yeah some yeah. fucker some asshole you know it's got everything it's kind of there. a bummer he didn't have any drugs or wasn't drug smuggling i mean like he writes this song like you know he escaped death or whatever but it had been a way better story of him and bono had been like blasting lines on that plane it's very like <laughs> yeah. not rock and roll at all yeah yeah and uh i think he tries to present himself as like this defiant chill life-loving guy but it's like he should have been like we were fucked up on that plane and we were definitely gonna like do a bunch of drugs on it and we deserve to die <laughs> that'd have been a better song <laughs> <laughs> That would have been the song in the 80s. Yeah, definitely. Too bad we didn't get this 10 years higher. Yeah, exactly. Because he did, he was like a real party guy. But then I think like he really sobered out in the 90s and focused on just like preservation and stuff. Yeah, ironing his Tommy Bahama shirts. Exactly. (laughs) It's the only high he needs now. Yeah, yeah, that does get anybody high. Schoolboy Heart is the next track, which is that we keep referring to. Uh, this this one also has that vibe of like the contrast of Buffett like this is kind of 90s I think it's really sweet the song what'd you say it's very sweet really sweet yeah it's very this sweet this just straight up rem- like could be a Paul Simon song but the the thing here is the chorus is real simple strum along type thing but then the music and the and the verse is real like chordally complicated vibe with the like extended metaphors about Frankenstein and stuff like just always throwing curveballs like if Harumihan Sono sang over this it, everybody would fucking love it like if there was like cool Japanese vocals over it like oh this is art this is totally this is a beautiful song I think it's perfect and gorgeous like he goes yeah, into this, this, these chord changes here are great yeah it's like Brian Wilson this is the I like this. Frankenstein had nothing on his body of my, on this body of mine. The villagers t- still flocking to see me breaking free. It's like a that's all Mary Shelley right there. Something I was thinking with this song is like it is funny hearing someone tell you they have a novelist's eye and all that stuff, but then it kind of like it makes more sense when you think about Jimmy Buffett as always inhabiting a character. As in the Jimmy Buffett who narrates his songs isn't the Jimmy Buffett who exists in the world. He, which is something I think he took from country music is this whole self-mythology in his music where his songs are about characters, but he himself is a character akin to them. And that way, a song like that kind of reminds me of like what Dylan was doing on I Contain Multitudes when the narrator of the song is the artist as his fans see him. Does that make yeah. sense? I feel like I'm like... No, there's Jimmy like Buffett character for it. sure. There's like Jimmy Buffett yeah. it puts on a mask everywhere he goes. Nobody's ever seen the real him. The real him probably like, you know, is guilty of like slave labor and stuff like that. He's probably yeah. a terrible person. He's definitely murdered someone. Yeah, there's, there's closets in his beach cabin or canopy or whatever. <laughs> I wonder if he is tormented by the pressure to keep up with 
appearances of the Jimmy Buffett character. Maybe not because it's like all you have to do is like be a chill guy who like <laughs> sits well, at the hey, beach. Take it from me: you don't turn to music this chill unless you've got serious demons and hellhounds chasing you that you're trying to escape. No uh, one ends right, we up get here. It. Yeah, you get it. Shingles. It was hard to have shingles. You know, you're, you're a troubled guy. You want to be a you want to be a guru. Yeah. you can't quite get there. We can talk more about shingles if you want, Sam. No, that's all I had to say. Jimmy okay. Buffett is just like a stress ball that people who make sixty thousand dollars a year in the suburbs squeeze every time they just want to snap. They can just put these records on and everything's okay. You know, uh-huh. just go about life and purchase a Hyundai car once every four years and stay cool. What a perfect transition into the song "Holiday," which is really about about the you know the corporate uh, guy in the suburbs trying to escape. Oh, this is beautiful. This has got like a Pet Sounds intro. Hmm. This song to me is got that pulse. It's like um. Paul Simon, Paul Simon, yeah, it's like and Merle Haggard or something. A cross between. This song also has a, vo- a verse that is very explicitly about the internet, yeah, down to like name checking, like fiber optic equipment and stuff. Yeah, we should we should listen to that. You can't get out of bed. You can't remember what you said. You're feeling old, old, old. Is it a fever or depression? This really makes me think of Merle Haggard, despite the like, or like, or Willie or something, but with this Paul Simon thing. Yeah, Willie sometimes moves toward Buffett territory, especially in the 90s. True. The, the backing vocal arrangements on this are great, also, and there's so, ma- there's so much detail. So, so much of it. Where you might regain command of your life today. Do you know offhand where the internet part is? I think it's the second verse. We'll just let it play. Yeah, I mean, this kind of song, you just gotta let it play out and bask in it. Um, It's just, the verses are about the shit we get mired in, get caught. Here we go. Here we go. What I like about this is like all that fiber optic gear still cannot take away the if fear like an island. This song were written today, the internet would be would be posited as like one of the things you are trying to get away from. But in the nineties it's like one of the things that was put in front of people as a way to get away from their problems. And I like that he's like, Oh yeah, the internet's not as utopian as you all think it is in nineteen. He's pretty psychedelic in this song, kind of like a pioneer in internet usage. Honestly it's yeah, insane. Totally. He's like writing about how the internet can like shape your mind into something more pure. Yeah, it's pretty deep. William Gibson yeah. shit. <laughs> William It's also kind of a, he's like kind of a grouch at the same time because the other, he also like makes fun of grunge. Oh, yeah, that's the worst album. part of the record. It makes me mad, yeah. actually. Yeah, he's like, they don't play grunge. <laughs> they don't play uh, loud and they don't play grunge. Bob Roberts Society. <laughs> yeah, he's literally yeah. just an old man like shaking his fist in that song. That song makes me think it's like a metaphor for the afterlife for him. Like this is how he imagines paradise. Whoa. That's the nicest thing. No you grunge. Can say about it. <laughs> yeah. So, Not my paradise. One subtly hilarious thing about this song, so he's talking about like a concert given, it is sort of like an Uncle John's band kind of vibe, like he's 
inventing this band, kind of fantasizing about what their concert looks like. They're not playing grunge. But one thing he says is there's people speaking Hindu in the barbecue line, and Hindu is not a language, <laughs> it's a religion. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that, Andy, because um, I saw that at shows he would sometimes play Uncle John's band into this song. Oh, and there you go. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like a ba- it's like a band that would play at a retirement home or something but it's like to him it's the sweetest music in the world yeah the Bob Society band I will take this opportunity to say I'm perhaps a little more skeptical about this album than everyone else in the room (laughs) and I cannot get on board with that song song it's the low point of the record but a a high point for people who just want to settle down into a nice life it has a trombone solo in it which is a the trombone yeah. solo is psycho. Is a, t- a tie-in with our other podcast. Yeah. Um, As Winston it. suggested, it's thematically important, but yeah, definitely not. Definitely not one of the ones to remember him by. But I thought this quote he had about grunge and why he sang that lyric was kind of interesting. He was just, he goes, I don't think they have much fun. Um, I believe that the ability to laugh at ourselves diffuses issues better than attacking them with a sledgehammer, which is Mm -hmm. how he described what grunge was doing. Mm -hmm. A lot of music today just gets a little too serious for its own good. I mean, we're descended from court jesters, not philosophers, which I thought Uh, was... Well, hold on a second. (laughs) What? He's saying musicians descended from court jesters, not philosophers. That's actually really nice. Um, I don't agree with any of it, but that's like, it it makes a lot of sense. Like, I appreciate that that Jimmy Buffett is saying that. Um, I guess he's one of those people who's just like, don't take yourself too seriously in this life, you know, which Mm -hmm. um, is true to a point. And then it just becomes like, you know, please let us off the hook with like your dumb shit you're always saying. But yeah, the Bob and like, I mean, Society and Band is an uh, awful song. <laughs> this and this album yeah, also closes with this song that's like this kind of like seven minute, quite beautiful like elegy for his father that sort of like sweeps through history and all this. And it's like that seems like you were kind of taking yourself pretty seriously when you wrote that one. Yeah, and he got James Taylor to do background vocals. Isn't this nine minutes rather than seven minutes? It, could it only be. had to be long. three. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then after that, there's a hidden track. Or, yeah. Which, uh, this yeah. Is like Steven Stills cover. When they were just maxing out CD length time. Yeah. 96. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's classic. It's the, all the, all the capabilities of the CD explored. Well, while we're talking about things that are wrong with the album, also, what do you guys think of the rap verse? Yeah, we gotta oh, yeah, we should we gotta squeeze address the white elephant in the room. Which yeah, is the rap. Yeah, it was '96. It was one of the golden ages of hip hop, you know. So he thought he had to hop on board. <laughs> Out in Hollywood, the paper money rolls. They feed their egos instead of their souls. A million here, a million there. A mindless corporate dance, getting paper fucking off in the South, France. They don't do the shows, but they act oh, like yeah. the stars. They fly around. Get him, Jimmy. Suck on mm. big cigars. It ain't about the talent. It ain't about the skill. It's all about the silly, stupid heart. Yeah. He really digs in his last two lines. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, I think that's interesting. He really went off. I like to what think the guys? engineer in the room got him absolutely <laughs> fucked up and just like made him do the thing like 10 times, then comped it really hard. He was just blacked out drunk doing that. 
this is around the time that Brian Wilson recorded his rap song, um, which I th- made me think about his his raps too. Um, I didn't know that Brian Wilson was ever rapping. Oh, Wasn't it? Man, was that yes. Smart Girls? Smart Girls, yeah. Yeah. That's a whole separate podcast. But um, yeah, this one again is about like don't push too hard out there you know with your greed yeah the horse shit deal <laughs> the the chorus the, the these lyrics in the chorus too are are maybe my favorite chorus lyrics overkill overkill such a megalo modern problematic ill climb too fast and shove too hard you'll be pushing up the daisies in the old boneyard not bad which is what's yeah, I mean it's pretty damn good. Also, what Sam calls his uh, childhood bedroom—the boneyard—that's true. <laughs> well, it's also it's what Aerosmith calls their uh, like recording studio. Multi multi purpose. Yeah, I mean he did a rap verse. I um, imagine I, this isn't the only rap verse he's done in his career. I would have to guess. Yeah, clearly he's had some practice. I mean. <laughs> yeah, he's. He's no novice. If there's he's a parrot so high on barbiturates, he didn't even know what happened. He like just came out of a blackout once he said horseshit deal. He's like, what happened? Where am I? <laughs> horseshit deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if there are any parrot heads listening who could uh, let us know how, if, if, if you're like all the way in with Buffett, like how many rap verses has he done across his discography? Cause I would, yeah, and there's gotta be which more. is the best. Yes. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Top ten Buffett verses. Yeah. When did Buffett go in the hardest? What else? I was pretty fascinated by the song Desdemona's Building a Rocket Ship. Yeah. Which yeah. is like a multimedia musical tie-in with this book that Jimmy Buffett wrote called Where is Joe Merchant? Yeah, you were investigating that a little bit. I mean, I read the Wikipedia page. Uh, <laughs> which Contains right. a really expert, then. a really compelling plot summary, if I may, uh, of this yeah. book, which was a huge bestseller in the year 1992, a novel about Frank, a down-on-his-luck seaplane pilot who's about to escape to Alaska when his hemorrhoid ointment heiress ex-girlfriend, Trevor Kane, unexpectedly jumps back into his life, asking for help in tracking down her brother, the notorious rock star Joe Merchant. This like sounds like a Thomas Pinchon novel to me. <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm. I may go and read "Where Is Joe Merchant" by Jimmy Buffett after uh, we finish taping it's this. Probably five ninety nine so, at every airport in the world. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there, and, there's a line in it that she's quite familiar with quasars. And when I was looking into it, uh, there was like a whole page on a science blog about quasars as related to this song. Wow, um, which is kind of cool. Yes, yeah, so uh, Desdemona is a rocket scientist character in the book, whereas Joe Merchant that Buffett then sort of wrote this whole spin-off song about, which is pretty cool. There's a whole extended universe of Jimmy Buffett, which I'm growing to appreciate more and more. He has oh, character, fictional characters like, like, and stuff. Story arcs. It's amazing. oh, that's so cool. Throughout that actually makes me want to investigate him. Oh more. yeah, throughout entire like his course of his career, there's like characters that come and go throughout his songs. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, she wants to go to the Pleiades. Her rocket ship is called the Cosmic Muffin. Cool. It's just a lot there. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. And this on. is not the only Desdemona song. 
in his catalog. So. Um, we are enjoying a warm, sunny, casual vibe during this podcast episode talking about Jimmy Buffett. But the sad truth is that aside from a few freak 70-degree November days, autumn and winter are upon us, which means that our favorite brand of coffee, Grady's Cold Brew, might be better served hot if you're a hot coffee drinker. And the good news is, uh, despite the name, Grady's is just as delicious, warm as it is cold. And there are plenty of good ways you can drink Grady's hot. Uh, If you like the liquid concentrate, you can just mix it up with milk or water the way you usually would and heat it up in a heat-resistant container. Uh, If you're using the bean bags, you can put them directly in a drip coffee maker or you can uh, pour boiling water over them, like, you know, pour-over coffee style. And of course, if you're just buying Grady's New Orleans-style ground coffee, uh, you can just brew that however you take your coffee, whether it's in a coffee maker, a French press, a Chemex, a percolator, any other sort of fancy devices they have on the market these days. Trust me, folks, Grady's is the best coffee in the biz. It's smooth. It is subtly chocolatey perhaps it will get your ass out of bed in the morning every day and if you're a first time buyer in the US you can use our product code all caps late era yeah. 20 on their website gradyscoldbrew.com and that will get you a 20% off deal on your first order so for listeners and for Riley perhaps if you don't know the last section of this show, similar to the 25 or 624 section on Welcome to Chicago, is called Fantasy or Delusion. It is named after Billy Joel's album of solo classical piano music, Fantasies and Delusions. And basically, uh, you pick whether this record is a fantasy, meaning it's good, or it's a delusion, meaning it's bad. And that's kind of how we round things out. Um, Sam or Winston, one of you guys want to start? I'll start. Um, this was tough. I am the one of the most. Uh, I'm definitely the most Buffett ignorant person of the four of us. I've like never listened to a Jimmy Buffett album. Uh, it's just one of those those things from childhood. There are many aesthetic biases in artists that I've like grown to love that I was told to hate at a young age. But Buffett, I've just. I guess I've always been scared to explore. Maybe because it seems like such a deep universe but also some kind of cultural thing that I I thought was poisonous rather than good. But I feel kind of like I'm wrong about that last part. Sam kind of pointed me in the direction recently, and I some of this stuff, I don't know. I, I, I don't know a lot of Buffett, but it automatically takes me into that world of like, I don't know if this is good or bad, but like on its own terms, I'm like enthralled by it. I, I don't know, you know, like that rap verse is, you know, not good good and that, <laughs> the song about the 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 bands the with the is, is really bad but um i did like a lot of this and the, the musical style is really distinct i was saying that it reminds me a little bit of bruce coburn there's like uh who i love there's like these kind of reggae tropical backbeats and weird flourish like baroque flourishes in there that i don't know 
the the lyrics I could like stu- we could do just like twenty minutes on every stanza in these in these songs. Like the 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 weirdness of the perspective and his voice as a song as a lyricist is pretty amazing to me. I didn't expect it to be so strange. And yeah, this rich narrative universe. So I gotta call it a fantasy. I'm not gonna pretend like all these songs are good that I'm gonna be roasting Buffett tunes all the time necessarily, but now I can think of a mind state that I might be in where I might want to put on. Put I think on, uh, th- thinking of a mind state is really the first step to uh, appreciating Jimmy Buffett. Mm-hmm. I'm changes in latitudes, changes in attitudes. I'm curious what your rating is, Andy. Um, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm sad to say, kind of with a delusion. Uh, I'm, I was tr- thinking about recalibrating my fantasy versus delusion scale recently to basically reflect, am I going to go back and listen to this album for enjoyment after we're done taping this podcast? And I just don't think it's the case with uh, Banana Wind. I'm definitely fascinated by it, kind of in the same way I was fascinated by Jethro Tull's jtull.com, the subject of another episode, where it just sort of feels more like a strange artifact and like signifier of some kind of era than it does like an album that I want to just like dig into. It does make me more interested in Buffett in general, but I think I would probably go back to some of the classic era work before I took this one in. I'm going to use the last minute of my airtime to talk about the Buffett concert I went to, which was a bachelor party that uh, my friends threw for a friend of ours (laughs) who decided at the last minute that he was too anxious about his wedding to actually attend, but we had still bought the Jimmy Buffett concert tickets and the tickets to St. Petersburg, Florida, where the concert was, and booked an Airbnb. So we decided to attend without our bachelor, this Jimmy Buffett concert, uh, just as a group of friends, bachelor party with no bachelor present. And it was a highlight of my recent life. And so I have Jimmy Buffett to thank for that. He needs a holiday, man. He needs a holiday. He should have come on the holiday. Colin, you should have come with us. Um, Fantasy for me. Is it my favorite album of all time? Yes. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, I'm. I just. I like Jimmy Buffett's music. I just do. I don't think it has the focus that his '70s work has. I don't think it has like the burnt-out vibe that I like in some of his '80s stuff. It's not as like tasteful as he got in the 2000s when he was doing more like duets and stuff. But it's weird. I like the title, Banana Wind is funny. It's a great title. Um, there's like enough good tunes that I think it it uh, is worth checking out. I think my favorite 90s Buffett is this album later in the decade called Beach House on the Moon. That's a cool <laughs> Another one. Another great title. Whoa. Yeah. Is Desdemona really? on that one? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to go through the track list. But yeah, um, solid fantasy for me. Grateful, Riley, that you picked this one. For us to talk about because I liked spending time with it. My turn, I guess. Yeah, yeah man. Cool. Um, definitely fantasy for me. It ties in a lot to my childhood. I really enjoyed listening to this record. Um, I love the instrumentation on there, and I love the steel drum. I think it's super kind of out and weird, and it kind of the record kind of gets like Muppets ish at times. You know? <laughs> it's like this weird. True fake thing i don't know it's a total escape for me it's definitely front loaded um there's a lot of shitty songs on here but there's four or five like pretty big bangers that sound great through like any sort of crappy car stereo um and it's really fun i don't know i enjoy it just as an escape 
it's nothing more than that. And I think Jimmy Buffett delivers on the promise of uh, keep things simple, and he does it on this record. And there's like some really psycho kind of musical choices on here, which is odd for him. Um, so fantasy for me, I really appreciate this record. Amen. Yeah. While we have you, Riley, can you give us any uh, teasers for the new record, which uh, I think you might have wrapped up recently? Oh, yeah, the new record. Uh, it'll come out next year, I think. Um, I recorded it with John McIntyre, who did all the cool Stereo Lab records and Tortoise records that I'm a big fan of. It, were, it went really well, I think. Um, there's like seven songs. Sounds like Gastrodel Soul and Genesis, I think. I'm really proud of it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to hear that. Sounds yeah, amazing. man. I'll, I'll get it over to you once it's done. Sweet. Thank you so much, Riley. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Yes, thank you for being with us. It was a blast. My pleasure. I'm actually going to, I'm driving to Williamsburg right now to record at strange weather to do a fish cover so i'm oh uh, shit i'm whoa. doing it <laughs> whoa jam bass or whatever is like making a compilation <laughs> nice so we uh, were just garcia peoples was just in there oh no yeah it's awesome i love it there yeah, yeah. send uh love to daniel yeah absolutely. if you're doing if you're working with him i'm doing with ben greenberg but daniel's always there nice cool see you guys thank you see ya peace dude bye Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, that was Jimmy Buffett's Banana Wind, the latest episode of Late Era. And please tune in in two weeks for our season one finale. Sam, what are we talking about? Bill, Joel, Fantasies, and Delusions. Solo it's happening. Classical piano. It's happening. That's the fucking truth, too. It's really happening this time. All right, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Someone's got to talk about accountability. Someone's got to raise some Later as hosted by Andy Cush, Sam Sadomsky, and Winston Cook Wilson. It is edited and produced by Winston Cook Wilson. Original music by Winston Cook Wilson. The executive producers of Late Era are Brian Brinkman and RJB. Logo designed by Liz B. Art and Design. Late Era is a part of Osiris Media.